The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, good morning. Pat, good morning. Um, the unexpected fire at Wexford General and a successful evacuation, uh, no injury, no loss of life. Uh, on that level, I suppose it's a good news story, but for the people of Wexford, uh, a bad news story, they've temporarily lost their hospital. That's right. I think the first thing we have to say, Pat, is a, is a thank you to everyone who, who was involved in the response The the workers here in the hospital, I'm at the hospital now, the fire brigade, the ambulance services, the Gardaí, uh, it really was an exemplary, an exemplary response all around and, and further, uh, wider than that as well. So other hospitals in Kilkenny and Waterford uh, in Dublin have been taking on patients, local nursing homes have been freeing up space to take people in. It really has been a an extraordinary response, one that I, I want to thank everyone who was involved in and one we should be very proud of uh, because, as you say, there, there were no fatalities, there were no casualties. And as of now, we have no reports even of injury for, for our staff, for our patients or their families uh, in terms of smoke inhalation or anything else. So, so, so huge credit to everybody uh, involved. Now, of course, now we have to deal with the reality of we have a hospital that has been damaged. The assessment will will really begin today and through the week now as to the extent of that damage. But I can tell you from from my own walk through the hospital this morning, the areas that have been affected are significant. So there are areas that include over half the inpatient beds, the endoscopy units, the maternity wards, um, the services into the critical care beds, so we'll have to establish the extent of the damage, but it certainly uh, relates to a significant portion of the hospital. When you had your walkthrough and you saw the damage, uh, clearly uh, there can be water damage, there can be um, the smell of smoke everywhere, uh, lots of uh, materials will have to be discarded, destroyed and so on. Um, but uh, you know, how soon do you think that some of those, like the inpatient beds, half them affected directly, before they can be brought back on stream, it's hard to say at this point. We're going to need to we're going to need to hear from from the experts, as you say. There there is mechanical damage, for example, to pipes. There is electrical damage, not just to the electrics in the walls, but you know to the, some of the very sophisticated machinery that's been in. Some of that is quite new, and certainly the view of the the healthcare professionals I was with is that some of that has has been destroyed and. And then one of the big questions will be the structural integrity. You know, is there a rebuilding of individual floors uh, required? So we'll, we'll, we'll need to wait and see. W- what I can say is the hospital manager and her team are absolutely focused already, as you would expect, um, on what services can be brought back online as quickly as possible for the people of uh, Wexford. Areas that are in a different part of the hospital include the emergency department, some of the diagnostics, some of the inpatient beds, some of the uh, day case facilities. Um, but obviously, a hospital is a, is a, a, a living ecosystem and you, you can't have an emergency department without access to theatres and diagnostics and inpatient beds and critical care support. So all of that uh, will now be looked at. The question of diagnostics, I mean, if you don't have what we expect in a hospital, a modern hospital nowadays, are sophisticated diagnostics, if they're knocked out uh, and they may be 
expensive to replace, number one, but also there's a lag time uh, when these machines are ordered. I mean, can the hospital reopen at all? There's no question but that the hospital will be reopening. Yeah, some of the machinery, based on the, the, the damage, be it smoke damage or water damage, may not be recoverable, but there'll be, there'll be large areas and your diagnostic suites, which will be fine. And to the funding um, part, as, as you can imagine, there, w- there will be no question other than whatever funding is required uh, will be provided and it will be provided immediately uh, to replace the equipment, but also to do the remedial works. Now, uh, there had been an upgrade planned for Wexford Hospital. Um, Where is that at the moment? There's a lot of investment coming into Wexford and the only conversation I've ever had and the government has ever had about Wexford is expansion and modernisation and new services. So through COVID, additional beds were added. You know, I've been pushing very hard on women's health care. There's now a see and treat gynae clinic here in the hospital. The maternity services were upgraded. Uh, there's more in the capital plan. There's a new MRI uh, in us. There's an upgrade to the theatres, an upgrade to the endoscopy facilities. And most, of, well, the MRI is very important, but most importantly, a new 96-bed block. As you and I have discussed before, I'm not satisfied with the pace at which the state builds new beds, new hospitals, new blocks. And so I've been engaging with colleagues across government, with the Attorney General and with the HSC, to find a way to put an accelerated capital program together. Wexford is one of those areas. So there, the, there was a bed block put into Kilkenny Hospital during COVID. They got a waiver on planning because of COVID and they used modular build and they put a 72 bed block up in nine months. The team in Wexford quite rightly are looking at that block in Kilkenny and saying, can we do something similar here? My view is that's exactly how we need to proceed, not just here in Wexford, but right around the country and get these new state-of-the-art facilities in place using modern building techniques. They're still state-of-the-art. They're as good as they're as good as any other block, but critically, we put them in place uh, quicker. And I'm talking to you probably 50 metres from where uh, it is intended that that 96-bed block would go. So the government is absolutely committed to ongoing investment in in Wexford General Hospital and expanding the services, expanding the beds and modernising. Yeah. Now, um, a number of the listeners have been on about um, what w- a wonderful thing uh, happened last night, the evacuation of patients so successfully uh, to other hospitals. But they're, they're bemused because they're saying, well, if you can find a couple of hundred beds uh, in an emergency, uh, the trolley crisis is a daily emergency. Why can't the, not these beds be found in the normal course of events? Well, I, I think what has happened in places like Waterford and Kilkenny Hospital and, and CHI, obviously, room has been found. And in some of the local nursing homes, uh, room has been found, but, you know, they, they, not on a sustainable basis. What Wexford Hospital has been doing uh, over the last year, though, has not only been treating patients, you know, as they come in and meeting uh, existing demand, they've been making serious inroads into the waiting lists. So the GI scopes, for example, believe it or not, last year, they, the numbers waiting was reduced by the, by the teams here by more than 60%. And the number waiting, waiting over 12 months was reduced by 96%. They've had a big uh, a reduction as well in the number of people waiting for outpatient appointments. So the hospitals are meeting existing demand, but they're also now getting into this 
uh, legacy, uh, partly COVID, uh, COVID as well, but obviously the waiting list were here long before COVID, uh, getting into that. So that's what the extra capacity that we're putting into the system is now being used for. Inevitably, that progress that's been made here by the teams in Wexford um, will be slowed down, obviously, because they're going to have less, uh, less capacity uh, for a while. So it's not just a question of, you know, are there beds for patients to meet existing demand? Remember, right across the HSC now and, and supported by, by private practice as well, we are, we are making inroads into legacy issues around people on waiting lists. Um, question about uh, how quickly this can uh, be restored and what the staff are going to do in the meantime. The patients have been distributed uh, broadly across the region. Will any of the staff then follow their patients? The HSC will, will look to that. Now, it's important to say there are still, I, I'm, I'm just outside the hospital here, there are still patients in the hospital being treated. The staff have been turning up to work and, and patients are being actively treated. What we'll need to see is how quickly some of the services can be brought uh, back online. So, for example, we don't know yet how long it will take to have a full emergency department for the reasons we discussed. You have to have all the the, the supports behind the emergency department. But can we put in uh, injury units more quickly, for example? So it's too early to say, um, but certainly the HSC and the hospital are are actively communicating with, with staff at the moment and then I know we've said it before but we really just need to acknowledge the professionalism and the response from the uh, yeah. the staff here over the last 24 hours it has been really quite extraordinary Yeah and finally Minister the whole question of insurance I mean does the HSE carry its own insurance in the same way as say Dublin bus doesn't have insurance policies it carries its own insurance that's the most economic way to do it uh, or um, will the insurance companies pay up for the damage. Um, I, I, I'd need to check in with the HSE uh, on that, but regardless of, of what insurance policies may or may not cover, uh, the state will be spending a lot of money here. Uh, you know, Regardless of how much of the existing damage is, is insured or not insured, uh, we're going to be spending a lot of money in investing in new facilities and putting in the beds and the diagnostics and the women's health services. Uh, and, and and all of those facilities, but it's a, but it's a good question. Certainly, one we'll um, we'll we'll pursue with HSE. Get an answer to. All right, uh, Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Ray Murphy is the Wexford Chief Fire Officer. Listening to that conversation, Ray. Good morning. Good morning, Pat. How are you doing? Very well. Congratulations on a job well done uh, yesterday. An effective uh, extinguishing of the fire and uh, effective evacuation of patients and staff. So, um, job well done. But uh, what have you uh, left behind you in Wexford General? How extensive is the damage from your perspective? So, just to begin with, Pat, I'd just like to say that uh, the general manager down there in uh, Wexford General Hospital, uh, Linda O'Leary, uh, did an excellent job with her team uh, yesterday. And certainly the decision to evacuate at more or less 1800, that's within two hours of the fire starting, it was a very early decision under immense pressure and chaos. It was the right decision, definitely. It was for patient safety was the, was the underlying uh, philosophy there. And also, uh, I'd like to uh, just mention Anthony Byrne, the Chief Ambulance Officer, and Peter O'Connor, the uh, Chief Civil Defence Officer. They did an amazing job down there yesterday in evacuating people. So just to, to fire past from our point of view, so we got the call about uh, 
quarter to four, uh, we mobilised two units, assessed the fire very, very quickly, and we had it under control within. About quarter past five, I was able to give a preliminary uh, piece of information to the general manager that the fire is substantially out. So from a fire point of view, like it was a big fire, but it was very confined and very localised to a particular area within the hospital. Uh, the other side of the course, as Minister Danley rightly pointed out, is definitely does water damage. We put fires out with water. Uh, we, we have other means like foam and uh, CO2 gas. This one had to be used water because uh, of its location. And also we were fighting into the fire. So certainly from that point of view, there is water damage in the, in, in the hospital. My opinion is it's around the central uh, tower. So it's a stair tower, there's lifts, there's service shafts. And critically, it's this critical piece of uh, a plant, this, this machinery that was on the roof where, where we believe the seeds of the fire occurred. That's really the problem here is that that piece of equipment is, it was, it, it contained maybe heating, uh, uh, other equipment like manifolds for the oxygen supply to the ward. So obviously a hospital can't run without its critical infrastructure, without those critical pieces of equipment. So is it your understanding that the fire actually started on the roof itself? Because if if it was happening, say, indoors in a plant room, uh, there might be fire retardant systems there that would uh, nip the fire in the bud. But if it's out of doors, if it's on a roof, um, that kind of situation is not going to be possible. Yes, so it was a probably a more difficult situation for the hospital in that that, that that we believed fire did start up in the plant room on the roof. That's certainly where all the firefighting took place. And to uh, to back that up as well is that a uh, the facilities manager quickly pointed out to me that there was a compartment floor, so just below that uh, roof area there was a solid concrete uh, fireproof compartment floor that did its job very well and I was very happy once I seen that because we knew then at that stage that there's no way the fire is going to travel down through that floor into the uh, in, into the wards. All these were well aware of the ru- runoff water, were well aware that there's going to be smoke damage but it, it was very confined to that central uh, tower containing the stairs and the, and, the, and, and the lift shafts. The issue here is that the plant room is critical to the, to the operation of the hospital and of course the wards were all meeting at that juncture so that's a very it's a very 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 busy area of the hospital and absolutely necessary for the operations of the hospital now finally ray will you have a role in the investigation that follows no, so the fire brigades, uh, we put out the fires. Our uh, job is to, re- is to respond to fires, take uh, 999 calls, and the, the Wexford County Council has a uh, legal responsibility then to provide a fire brigade, but we don't do the fire invest- investigation. So that will be down to Angara Shikana and the insurance companies then when they come to assess. Ray, thank you very much for joining us on the line. Ray Murphy, Wexford uh, Chief Fire Officer. Uh, to wrap up, we'll be talking in a moment to our reporter, Eva Kearns, who's on the scene. But some of the uh, the texts which are coming in, uh, when will Wexford Hospital reopen? It's not such a bad story when you consider the different scenario that might dominate headlines today. Well done to all the staff and the management, the emergency services and those who planned, rehearsed and reviewed how to deal with such an event. Another one, why is the cost of replacement and refurbishment of the hospital even being mentioned? The hospital and equipment surely are fully insured. Well, that's the question I put to the Minister. He will uh, get us an answer 
possibly before the end of the program. Uh, why wasn't there a fire prevention and retarder system in the plant room? It's a statutory requirement. Again, we may have to get more detail on that, the plant room being on the roof. Uh, Wexford Hospital has the best performing chief executive and senior management team in the HSE. They will get it up and running in optimum time. Uh, that's from John. Uh, Aoife Kearns, uh, listening to the two conversations. Uh, mm. Aoife, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Um, can I just What's start the general well reaction? Saying, yeah, go on. No, I just want to start by saying, I mean, just listening to Ray and the work that happened overnight and the work that I suppose all of the emergency services carried out and the staff, I just want to say that, I mean, it's really, really to be commended. And as you said, there could have been a completely different story. Yeah, and the reaction of people in Wexford, I mean, um, up to yesterday mid-afternoon, they had a functioning hospital, which by all accounts was performing well, and now um, they are in um, an unknown kind of situation as to when that service might resume. Yeah, absolutely. But what we do know is that where the patients have been transferred to date, so what we do know is to date they've been transferred to the likes of St. Luke's Hospital in Kilkenny, University Hospital Waterford, Our Ladies Hospital in Navin, and St. Vincent's and the Master Hospital in Dublin. And we also know several staff travelled with those patients overnight um, when they were being transferred. The plans, as you say, are still being worked out. There's no definitive plan that has been announced by the HSC or hospital staff. But what we do know, and it is important information for expectant mothers, is that Wexford General Hospital's maternity services will be temporarily transferred to University Hospital Waterford. And I suppose you speak there about reaction. I know that there was a lot of concern last night from expectant mothers in this regard. So that is welcome information, I'm sure, from from their perspective. And also the paediatric services for children have been transferred to CHI hospitals in Dublin. Um, at the minute, within the hospitals, a uh, majority of the patients have been evacuated, but there are still 41 of the 220 patients who were being treated at the hospital on the site at the moment. And as Minister Donnelly said, whether they will stay or go, that's being worked out at the moment. Um, in terms of last night and the correspondence um, between the media and the hospital, the Ireland East Hospital Group released a statement just to the public, and they said that the hospital's A&E will remain closed until further notice, and all elective procedures and outpatient appointments scheduled for today and tomorrow have been cancelled. Now, whether what the, exactly that means today tomorrow, a lot of the time when it comes to outpatient appointments and procedures, they don't take place at the weekend, so I think it's fair to say they won't be taking place at least right, so uh, for the rest of this some uh, breathing space over the weekend to outline yeah. what can open, what uh, may not reopen for some time, uh, depending on the nature of the procedure and the kind of facilities that are required. If we mm-hmm. may hear from you uh, throughout the programme or uh, certainly on other programmes throughout the rest of the day, Aoife Kearns, a news talk reporter on the scene in uh, Wexford. All right, just a, a number that might be helpful, uh, 053-915-915. 3012. That's a helpline for families if they uh, don't know where their relative is, for example, uh, to which hospital they may have been transferred. I'll give you that number again. It's 053 915 The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m.
on News Talk. One, two.